and welcome to the Resin Jack Podcast, where I bring you all things resin flooring straight to your ears. Today we're taking a look at a post about how to flake a bullnose and the image that I use. So this is a post that was on LinkedIn. I've got some great contributors today and um to describe the image, everyone has, has probably worked in a garage floor situation and on the way out of the garage is a transition to the driveway and it's normally a curved surface on the concrete. And uh, in this country, at least, they call that a bullnose. And so this curved concrete, it can be tricky to apply coatings, in particular flake coatings, on that curve. And it's for a number of reasons. And we'll go through the comments in here. But firstly, the question is, uh, take a look at the photo and tell me whether you would have reshaped the damaged bullnose entry into this garage before you coded. If so, would you, would you charge the client extra? So let's, uh, let's take a look at the comments. Now, the first comment is from Tim Endersby. Uh, to give you a little bit of insight into Tim, he's a business owner of Epoxy Flooring Limited in Auckland, New Zealand. And a, I guess a bit of backstory is after spending a dozen years in the super yacht industry, Tim has sought out uh, or has sought to give up his sea legs and dive into the world of epoxy coatings. How's that for a, um, an attempt at wordsmithing. He's now he's now about four years into the industry and so that's you know that's shaking off the novice tag and is looking into the deep dive of, of understanding the industry better and better. And I appreciate his comment here which is I would definitely have t uh, tidied up the bullnose prior to flaking. Thickening the epoxy helps massively when it comes to flaking to flake bonding on the vertical surface. As mentioned in another reply, having it prepped and primed before the broadcast coat helps massively with consistency. And he has posted an image, and I'll see if I can save that image as well. But if not, you'll um, you'll have to frequent the page and, and have a look at the comment. But really, he's showing a, a great photo of a bullnose where the curvature of the surface is rounded and looks well-coated, well-sealed. The next comment is from Bruce Polson, and he is a business owner of Ring Us Group in Sydney, Australia. A knowledgeable guy that has been in the industry for over 20 years, broad understanding and interest from prep underlayment uh, through to coatings and polishing. He's one that applies his education to challenging jobs. He's, he likes to take on the, the difficult ones. And... Um, a genuine problem solver in the industry. Bruce's comment, joint repairs should be assessed and sometimes I charge if damaged and sometimes not if it's a quick grind to fix. It all goes on the outcome. So I guess he's saying it all comes down to you know, what, what you're able to deliver and what you're providing for your client and the level of standard that you hold yourself and your company to. Now that comment is something that you'll hear quite often from Bruce. He he certainly wants to be held in high regard 
and therefore isn't likely to walk away from something that he doesn't deem acceptable to himself. My reply, uh, thanks Bruce for your comment. I like, I like that the standard you hold yourself or company to is not to say right or wrong, just what you feel is a standard that you want to be known for. I often use the term, what would I do in my own home as my guide to what is the standard? Take care, Resin Jack. The next comment comes from Robert Higgins. A um, little bit of insight on Robert. He is, uh, well, firstly, he's a, he's a business owner of his own consultancy now in Florida, USA. He spent 25 years as a product development chemist before moving into the specialist field of moisture and concrete technology. A very knowledgeable man, and um, he constantly exposes my assumptions when it comes to moisture and concrete. So I, I value his input as always. Uh, his comment, unless of course you are Socrates, lesser known brother Mediocrities, whose motto was, ah, good enough. Yeah, a little bit of sarcastic humor there from Robert, but. His point is, is fair that it, it's, it is, there, there are some trades, there are some installers that are, that are okay and, and talk about she'll be right and, and will accept and walk past that sort of standard. And I guess Robert has experienced it and prepared to share it in that manner. My comment, how right you are. I look for the positives in everyone, but sometimes it does feel like, as we say down under, she'll be right, mate. Attitude overrides the knowledge of what should be done. So I think we've all actually seen it. Um, it's just a matter of what you deem acceptable. Next comment comes from Yannick Croteau. Please forgive me, Yannick, for butchering your surname. <laughs> Is it is tech support uh, at Sherwin Williams in Quebec, Canada, uh, and he's exposed my French is horrendous. Nearly thirty years in the coatings industry, uh, very proud to hold a handful of of coating and inspection certificates. He's also dedicated his time and volunteered with NACE in various roles. So his insight is um, is always one that is valued. Uh, his, his comments today are, are very complimentary, in fact. Uh, I like reading your and the different comments. Um, I, of course, respond. Thank you, Yannick, for your comment. I, too, appreciate the comments as we really end up sharing a, a lot of great stuff as a result of these simple posts. Keep smiling, Resin Jack. And it's these types of comments that... They can stroke your ego, but what I'm looking to take out of them is that people are appreciating, and it's not so much the post, it's the value, the true value in these posts is the input from all these different people from all around the world. And if they feel confident enough to write a comment on there, then, you know, it's something that should be celebrated, I think, and, and it contributes to everybody's knowledge. So I, I appreciate Yannick's input on this one. It's complimentary. It does encourage me and others, I think, to keep, put, keep posting comments. And I'm sure in the future he will contribute as well. 
The next comment comes from Josh Jones, who you have probably heard of in, if you're in the LinkedIn space, uh, president of Substrate Technologies, Inc. in Illinois, USA. I've said before, with over 29 years of hands-on experience in the concrete prep and polishing, Josh has a lot of valuable insights. He's also one of those ones that is prepared to continue to share his lessons. And uh, he has quite a following, does a lot of posts, a lot of educational posts, and they are just learning by experience. So uh, Josh is, is a good one to get comments from. He says, with regard to this post, I'm not sure that it needed rebuilding as much as more timely flake application. The overall uneven distribution of flake looks to me like they lost a window of opportunity for the flake to attach. A common problem at a threshold since it's usually the last of the floor to be flaked. And perhaps I, I sort of respond a bit to that in my comments. So let's, let's, my response to that is thank you, Josh. For your thoughts, you make a good point, and that is certainly some uh, something you see when you have either a water or solvent flashing off and the coating drying before you get the flake broadcast on. In this case, it was a solventless epoxy, so you, you should have the time, the wet time, to broadcast. Having said that, the bullnose looks very porous, so it may well be that the solventless resin sucked in leaving insufficient resin on the surface to hold the flake great point josh thank you again uh, josh replies oh that's entirely possible if the surface wasn't primed as far as the solvent versus solventless let's just say the sticky had probably left the resin before it was flaked <laughs> yes um the, the, the comment continues. So before I elaborate, I'll just finish off on the comments that are said. Uh, yes, and that does link back to the original question too, because if you had tidied up the bullnose as part of the subfloor prep, then you would have a smoother surface for, this, for the resin to sit on rather than be truly sucked in. Thanks again for your input. Josh responds, I'll grant you that it should have been prepped. Uh, it should have been prepped if a coating is being applied, but the absorption absorption variation is only made uniform by using a primer. So Josh is, is a fan of primers. I agree. Uh, perhaps I should have explained my point a little differently. When you look at the profile of the bullnose closely, you see that it is rough and porous. If you prime it, you'll have the resin sitting on the surface ready to hold flake but if the profile is rough, then you still end up with patchiness. If you rebuild and tidy up the bullnose to have a smooth radius, then you'll end up with a sticky resin again available on the surface to hold the flake. Does that better explain my point? Josh Jones replies, okay. So there's a lot to actually flesh out there because we, when, when you look at the photo and when you're addressing a bullnose, the, the first thing I look for is that the if the bullnose is damaged and you're trying to coat it and throw flake on it, the flake ends up sitting at all different angles. It doesn't, it's not a fine enough material. So it's it's hard to get it to stick and it's even harder to get the resin to sit on the outside profile. So in this case, I felt you needed to rebuild, to reshape that bullnose if you were going to flake that bullnose. 
Now, there are some tricks around crushing up the flake and throwing it on and, and so forth, which is, I guess, a bit of a, a last resort or a handy hint or something like that if you've been caught out, but it shouldn't be your go-to action. The other point on the bullnose is that the bullnose is the impact zone. So it, it's the area that you need to have you know, structural strength and, and you need to have it well coated because that's the first point that the tires are gonna hit. And in fact, probably generate some torque as the tire is, is turning to get over that bullnose and enter the actual garage. So I'm, I'm hesitant to just rely on a primer to seal it off and hope that resin sits on the surface. I want to make sure that I've got a nice even curvature, certainly where the tires run onto the garage. And, and that was the point that I was trying to make there. The next comment comes from Roland Best, tech support from Stonehard in Victoria, Canada. 25 years in the building materials sector with the last 10 years in resin flooring. He's certainly applying his engineering degree in the everyday world of project support. His comment is the natural finished look of the bullnose may have looked better than the cover-up. That's an interesting angle to take. Sometimes change isn't always appealing. Uh, my reply to that is, thanks Roland for your comment. It is possible to finish the resin floor before the bullnose, but as it is the impact the main impact point, I would imagine that it might need to be saw cut, a, a saw cut transition, which is perhaps more work than tidying up the bullnose. Is that what you were thinking? Thanks for your input, Jack. So he's right in the sense that you could have finished the garage floor prior to the bullnose and not tried to go over the top of it. If you do that, I'm trying to make the point that you still have this impact line, so you can't just do it to a tape edge you would have to then do a saw cut, a clean saw cut, and finish the material into the saw cut. And it does actually look fantastic, and I've seen that option where people are concerned about UV smashing the coating outside of a roller door. But in this case here, if you've got a damaged bull nose, like which way do you wanna go? Do you wanna to go to the extra length of doing a saw cut or repairing the bull nose and finishing the uh, floor outside of the roller door. The final comment comes from Michael Durra, a business owner for uh, Queensland Regional Flooring in Queensland, Australia. He's an experienced floor layer, including carpet, vinyl, timber, most recently added polished concrete and resin flooring to his skills repertoire. He now owns and operates a floor covering retail outlet. Michael's point is, I would like to think that I would, I would pretty that up and do the best that I could. In hindsight, I feel, <laughs> in, in hindsight, I feel we would all be disappointed if we didn't do the best job that we could. So, you know, he, he touches on, he's, he's a down-to-earth character who tells it as it is, and he's probably right. We all sit there in hindsight look to think that we can do better on jobs. We are very critical of our own work. We're very critical of what we've done and we look to improve. And there's probably every scenario that we can think of where we would have liked to have done that better. My response uh, to Michael, thanks for your input, Michael. I think you're right. What I'm starting to realize more and more is that often we don't know the better way until we've seen the disappointment of a job that could have been done better. 
Our industry will collectively benefit when we can establish industry benchmarks and best practices. I can't recall whose quote it was, but experience is only something you get after you need it. Uh, kind of works here. His uh, reply is, uh, experience is something you don't get until just after you need it. So he's corrected me. Very good. <laughs> um, and that is, I think that last point is, is extremely valuable. Because if you're self-taught, which is common in this industry, um, you're going to learn by mistakes and you're going to learn on clients' flaws. And it's not always ideal. And sometimes it, it's, it's, it is how we proceed. Um, and I'm not saying that this was the case here, but we learn every time we do something. We do improve every time we do something. So if we don't know in advance, expect to do things better the next time. My aim, of course, by this podcast and by sharing various posts and, and being in, involved with resinflooring.org uh, or resinfloor.org, the Resin Flooring International website or community is that we share this type of knowledge and so that when you're next turning up to do a bullnose, you're going to firstly quote to do the repair so that you, you can see that you need to tidy it up and you're going to spend the time doing the repair and you're going to get that repair looking schmick, the bullnose looking perfectly finished and you're going to be proud of what you've done. If you go about acquiring the knowledge before you're actually physically doing it, I, I keep feeling that is the, the better approach. Learn not just how to do it, but why you're doing it. Acquire that knowledge as much as you can so that when you're standing there looking at your slab or your client or whatever it is, you're able to discuss it in better detail and, and both agree up front what it is that, that you want to achieve. And if they don't want to pay for the repair of the bullnose, then you're able to explain to them what's going on here and what it's going to look like and so forth. I'm not saying that's an acceptable outcome, but it means that everybody's on the same page. So a great little post here, good comments. I think we've covered it pretty well, but if there are any questions, and of course, just write your comments um, and we'll take it from there. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and you found it valuable and, in, and informative. This podcast was brought to you by Resin Flooring International. So go to their website, resinfloor.org. That's resinfloor.org. And you'll be able to see a post that has the corresponding images and also the profiles of the different contributors that were mentioned in this podcast. So as always, I'm Resin Jack. Take care and keep smiling.